Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, happy Monday to all of you, wherever you might be living. And welcome to the Born to Talk radio show. My guests today are Joyce Alexander and Clark Broyles, and they are the owners of New Day and Home Care. And I would like to welcome them to the show. Welcome to the show, Joyce. Thank you so much, Marsha. We're so excited to be speaking with you. Thanks very much. Oh, it's great me- to be here. Thanks, Clark. It's nice to hear your voice as well. And just for those of you that are listening, and sometimes I don't even mention my own name, which I think is kind of weird, but I am Marsha Witeka, in case any of you are wondering. Go ahead, try and figure out how to spell that. Um, our de- Our show today is about caring for loved ones who may have reached a point in their lives where they need a little help day to day and what that can mean for families and some important things that people need to think about. And I think that it is really important. Uh, it's a very important topic today, especially with, with all us baby boomers. But before we get into the story about the importance of your business, I think it's always I always like getting to know my guests just a little bit. And I thought we would start with you, Joyce, because you and I actually have some background, don't we? We, 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 do, we do know each other. Do. Why don't you tell everybody we how we met? Well, um, I was a member of the YMCA, and you at that time were directing there. And I, I was a regular uh, visitor, and uh, we just kind of connected and started talking when you were there and I was there, and, and that, was, uh, that was that. I know it was a long time ago too, wasn't it? My goodness, it was a long it's time hard, ago. Hard to believe how long. The time goes very, very fast. It does. So why don't you tell our audience just a little bit about yourself, Joyce? Sure. Um, I am a California native, which is very rare. People in, living in California know that. Um, and I've lived in Westchester since I was 13, and I'm still living in Westchester now. Um, my mom was a registered nurse, and she had a really positive impact on me. Um, so it was a natural thing for me to go into the field that I went into, which was preventative health care. Um, and that's where I worked for over 25 years. Um, basically, what that looks like is I brought wellness programs on site to corporate offices, sometimes participating in their health fairs, um, sometimes just separate visits. Um, and basically it was, you know, introducing stress reduction. Uh, sometimes that meant teaching about stretching or breath work, um, even therapeutic body work. Basically, I was teaching them, um, kind of reminding the body to relax. And people in corporate positions, there's a lot of stress. Well, there's just a lot of stress in this world. But, so um, that was rewarding, um, and I loved it, did it for a long time. And some personal experience in my family, and I'll go into that more later, uh, really showed me how big the need is for help in this area of of in-home care. Uh, So our business was a a very natural next step for me. That's, you know, that's, you know, Joyce, when I think about you, and, and maybe I really have this wrong, was there a time where you were also a massage therapist? Well, that was the therapeutic body work. Um, that I did okay. neuromuscular reeducation, and again, that was really uh, teaching stress reduction. And I also worked uh, one-on-one clients that way too. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I thought. It's so interesting how life comes in a circle. And I do want to hear about your background as well, Clark. But I've just joined yoga. I've just started doing yoga right here in our neighborhood. You've been here since you were 13. I've been here since I was born. So we have mm-hmm. been neighbors for a very, very long time. And whether we're talking about the stress of a family member that needs your services or whomever, I can really appreciate what you were just saying about about stress reduction. 
and mm-hmm. Clark, um, you come to this um, field just a little bit differently. I'd like to know your background as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. I was uh, raised locally here in Southern California and uh, even went to college here at Loyola Marymount in, in West Los Angeles. Um, after I graduated there, <clears throat> excuse me, got pulled into the tech industry and spent a lot of years leading teams uh, in primarily sales marketing and some business operations spaces for different companies. And there's a lot of that industry comes with a lot of rewards and benefits. I got to work around some great leaders and some very smart people, and I learned a lot. Um, but selling a widget, even kind of a fun electronic one, um, isn't very rewarding on a personal level. <laughs> and, and I, I just, I had this very strong feeling like I felt like I needed to do something that had a more direct and positive impact on uh, people. And, and similar to Joyce, I knew from my own experience what it can be like when someone's facing the need for help. And, um, you know, this was something I thought about for many years before I acted on it. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're here. Oh, me too. I think the need is really important. And it's, it's a perfect segue, Clark. Um, because I'm going to be asking, you know, both of you questions, and truly you can chime in at any time um, to continue the conversation between these questions. But I think it's really important if we just, we understand that um, home care is a pretty broad topic. So maybe you can help us with that by telling us what exactly is the definition of in-home care. Um, it, it can mean different. It, it means different things in different to to different people based on their need. In general, uh, it means having a caregiver, or some people prefer to think of them as more of a personal assistant, as you're kind of getting getting someone introduced to having uh, some help. Um, have them come into the home of someone who needs a little help, and ensuring that they're safe and comfortable as they go through their day. Um, they can, the caregiver uh, can help with thing, daily activities like cooking, transportation to appointments, and social events in particular. Um, and, Marcia, we'll, we may come back to this later, but social events are such a big deal to people as they uh, age because it's easy for people to start to isolate as it gets harder and harder for them to get out of the house safely uh, or maybe where their ability to drive starts to get limited and they start to lose contact with friends and even family sometimes. And um, so having a little bit of help to keep those connections vibrant is a, it can be a very big deal for people. Um, you know, and I think uh, the net goal is that whatever, whatever is crafted around uh, working with a particular person is just keep them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home for as long as possible. Um, I think, you know, when we, if we just think about aging, it's probably intuitive or pretty easy for people to identify uh, with a desire to age in place in your own home, familiar surroundings, your routines, talk about social connections already. We also know from studies that um, people live longer at home than they tend to in facility-based environments where they're, where they have to, where they give up their house. Um, uh, we know also people want to age at home. AARP has done studies that show over 90% of people, 90% of the population over 65 wants to remain in their homes as long as possible. So there, there's a, a lot of need and drive to do this. Um, I think other than just living longer, I think maybe even the more important piece to this uh, is that the quality of life tends to be a lot better. Um, and it has to do with people maintaining routines, maintaining connections to things that they've known and the life that they have built. Um, uh, and depending on uh, their mobility and any assistance they may need doing this for driving or getting around, they can, uh, we can help people participate in self-care. So what does that mean? It means uh, if you're used to going to the grocery store for yourself and going to the bank and going on errands around town and you have people that you see and you know that you're still vibrant and you're maintaining your independence, if we can provide you a little help so that you can continue to do that, um, that makes a big difference for people in their personal um, sense of confidence and kind of how they're doing. Um, and, you know, that's one. So one aspect, the, the, the true north of the business and why we're doing this is the person that we're taking care of. 
the other piece you already mentioned, Marcia, and that's the family. Um, it's it's interesting when you get engaged in this, you see that for families who are trying to care for a loved one on their own, uh, <laughs> caregiver life balance can become a real challenge. And uh, uh, this can be exaggerated by geographic circumstances, or meaning, say, adult children uh, might live in a different city or a different state. Um, or it might be that the age of the caregiver um, makes the extra strain of caring for someone else very difficult. I know in my own family circumstances, I watched this happen where um, my mother was at an advanced age and she was trying to take care of her grandmother. My mother's health deteriorated relatively early. And the strain of taking care of another family member really uh, did a to took a toll on her. So, you know, you, you, you see all of this when you walk into it and you have to you manage the responsibility. We work with families to, to kind of become part of the fabric of the web of care within that family, not to displace anybody, but to help provide you, care for their. And, um, I'm sorry, let, and, finish your thought. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I wanted you to, I wanted you to finish your thought because I, I, you know, one of the downsides of podcasting is we're not looking at each other, and I, I don't, I, I, sorry when I interrupt because it, it, it breaks your flow of thought. But I, since I've done it, I might as well just finish by being there and just saying that because the the boomers, um, which I am, if you do have um, fortunate enough to have your parents still alive, they're probably in their late 80s and early 90s. And this community of Westchester that, that Joyce and I call home, many people, and we know this, Joyce, from going to the Y, there was a time when you would have never known a 90-year-old because people didn't live that long, let alone 80s. And, and isn't that the truth? And, and then you start yeah. finding out people that are living into their 90s, but they are starting to have issues, maybe they really cannot drive themselves anymore. Maybe this lady really what does want to get to the hairdresser or get to our little Vons or get to church or do these socializations that you've just described. And maybe their adult children or grandchildren or whomever, um, their church members or whatever, maybe that community that's around them just really is not that they're unwilling, but they're maybe just plain unavailable. I'm sure you have found that to be true, right? Of course. People have responsibilities. They talk about the sandwich generation where it might be a person who is raising children and trying to take care of their parents. Um, and there, there's being a lot, uh, there's a lot of information out there now about family caregivers um, where the health of the caregiver is declining because of the strain and the stress and the burden. So this, it's really important if you just accept some outside help and let a professional step in, um, it, it can make a huge difference. And sometimes it's just like you were saying, Marcia, it's just not possible for family members to do it. You know, it just, it, it just right. logistically can't happen. Well, yeah. so um, Clark, uh, I think, I think you both have indicated that you, you've, there's a reason that you got into this field. So let, let, let me ask you this, Joyce. What, what prompted you personally to, to delve into this a little bit deeper than where you were prior to, to, to this mm -hmm. company? Yeah, well, uh, for me, Marsha, it was the experience of taking care of my mother for about 10 years. Um, my mom had Alzheimer's, and um, for anybody listening that's not familiar with it, uh, it's it's a very difficult uh, illness to you know to be part to be next to to be the family member and, and witnessing this. Um, the person might be physically actually quite well, but they're fading cognitively. They're fading, and and it is a progressive disease. And the care that they need just becomes greater and greater. Um, basically, they need constant supervision. Um, so, in my experience. Um, I started out thinking I could do it all by myself, and, and uh, mm -hmm. I learned pretty quickly that that, that was not going to work. Um, my work life suffered. My personal life suffered. Um, even my health suffered. 
and, and it was interesting because it just took a little bit of help to to really make it um, to make a really big difference. Uh, me personally, I have a hard time asking for help, and I think that's actually true for a lot of people. But the funny thing was, uh, my mom actually got better care from me when when I was the person doing the caring. Once I did get a little bit of help, so. Uh, it gave me a lot of peace of mind to know she was being cared for um, when I wasn't there. And and it really helped that I could be her daughter again and not just a caregiver. So it, for me, it was really, really important. And it, and it started um, just with a, a few hours each afternoon. And it was actually a friend of mine who, who suggested it. You know, why don't you leave at this time, you know, two hours earlier, three hours earlier, um, instead and it it just never dawned on me it's interesting when you're in it you know it's like you're in the battle you know you don't always see clearly and and I took that advice and it made all the difference in the world for me Uh, also before that when I was younger I helped care for my father I mentioned my mom was a nurse I helped care for my father at home for 11 years so I really do have a bit of experience with this and and I, I have a pretty good sense of of what what people are facing and, and what it's like for them. I'm thinking about, I'm just thinking about you, Joyce, and, and then I want to go to you, Clark, but I'm just thinking about what you're saying. And I'm, I'm wondering what it must have felt like for you to, like you said, your mom was a nurse. So you, you, you were around that environment. You said your mm-hmm. father was ill. So now you're assisting him. So how did it make you feel when you were able to just, take that breath and say, it's, I'm okay. Right. How did it, how did it feel when you, when you got that additional help? Well, for me, given my personality, um, it was huge. I'm a bit of a warrior and I'm a little bit protective and, (laughs) and I do try to do everything myself. And um, I, I also had an elderly friend at this time. She was 94 when I was going through this. And I remember I was debating whether I could take a couple days and go away. Um, and she, she pointed out to me, the world will keep turning even if you go away for a couple of days. So uh, I was pointing out my personality um, to get that help and accept that help. Um, it, was, it was huge for me. It, it made all the difference in the world. It really did. It, okay. it saved my life. It really did. It really That's did. That's great. So, Clark, you mentioned that you also provided some care. What, what prompted, what, what, do you, what, what drove you? You mentioned at the top of the hour that you were sort of in that corporate world and you wanted to do something a little bit more helpful and, and hands-on. So how did that feel for you when making that switch from that sort of corporate, you know, side of life over to this side of life? What was that like for you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling over here because I'm, I'm remembering some experiences I've had with previous managers. I, I'm, I'm very highly entrepreneurial by nature, and um, while you can produce good outcomes in the corporate world in the right circumstances when you're entrepreneurial, you can also end up um, in some corrective conversations with people because they, they uh, you know, people who have a, a strong entrepreneurial drive sometimes have trouble reading from the sheet music that everybody else, the other 500 people in the room are paying attention to. And so uh, I, you know, when I was, when I was a kid uh, and growing up, uh, a lot of the influences around me uh, personally, family, friends and things like that, they all had their own business. And so I, I grew up being surrounded by that. And I, I liked the, the, um, the way that they could innovate and they, the way that they determined what they were doing and they did something because they had a reason for doing it, uh, not getting a paycheck or not just getting a paycheck, I'll put it that way. Um, and so, you know, um, I actually had, as I was growing up, I also had coupled that with similar experiences to what Joyce went through um, uh, throughout much of my life um, up to the age of, in my early forties, I had, you know, when I was a kid, um, I, I was at home. My grandfather went through an end-stage illness at home, and obviously when you're young, you don't have responsibility for caring for people. 
but I was in the house with people who did this and I saw the effect that it had on all, certainly he was a father figure. I was raised by my, my mother and grandparents and uh, he was my father essentially. And I saw the effect it had on him. I knew what I felt like. And I, I saw the way that my, the rest of my family were reacting to this. And then as I grew well, a, a little older, my grandmother went through an end-stage illness, and then and I shared responsibility uh, for caring for her through that. And then later on, my mother went through it, and um, I had full responsibility for caring for her as she did that. So we, Joyce and I have covered a lot of similar ground. Um, we know we, <laughs> we mm-hmm. well, this is one of those situations where we can say we really do know how you feel. Yes. Um, people's individual circumstances obviously are different, and they bring their own experiences to that. But we have walked this path, and um, and we can identify very deeply with people. Um, so it makes it very personal. We also had both of us had some uh, some positive experiences when we were looking for help uh, once we realized and accepted you know I'm, I, I need a rope to hold on to here I need somebody to help me with this but we also had some negative experiences or not so positive experiences when we were looking for help and we just it seemed really clear to both of us this can be done better so um, it was a natural path for us to 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 go into this together that makes sense. So since we've got that background of I can, I can feel it, I can feel your passion, both of you, for why this is so important. Clark, why don't you just tell, tell us a little bit about what it is your company does. And, and I just so people know, it's called New Day in Home Care. And you do have a website, and it's, it's called NewDayInHomeCare.com. And I would encourage people to to visit your website um, to to get more information because there is a lot of information there about you. But I thought that for those listening right now that aren't looking at your website, perhaps you could just share with us some of the services and what your company actually does to help. Absolutely. Um, you know, so the the sort of preamble or the or the uh, the summary introduction to it. Excuse me. <laughs> is is along the lines of what I was sharing earlier. We really we help people remain in the comfort of their own home once they start to need a little help with daily activities. Um, we work with a, a wide range of situations from people who just need a little assistance with chores or transportation um, up to circumstances where people need full time care and attention, uh, which this this could potentially include somebody who's under hospice care. And we can talk about hospice here in a couple of minutes and how that's different from this. Um, and I, I think that the delineation um, to just take a, a, a sidebar here for a quick second of when we say that we work, you know, with folks who might just need a little assistance, this, this leads to a different conversation. It's a big deal with people. There is a, um, Something to re- to reinforce to listeners here is that it, it doesn't mean uh, people giving up their independence to accept some assistance from a caregiver. In fact, what we're trying to do is the opposite. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're under um, – yeah, we, we spend time talking sometimes to seniors to try to help them understand this isn't a negative. Uh, some, sometimes there's a stigma attached to it. Um, and what we're doing is we're actually trying to, in, in very specific ways, kind of help you maintain the independence in the life that you've known. So what we do is we work with families. We understand what the circumstances are of their loved one, uh, whatever the family dynamic and relationships are. And we try to help them work out how we can provide a little assistance. And it can be uh, uh, things like I was outlining earlier. It can be things like transportation to doctor's appointments, to social events, to uh, local errands. It can be going to the grocery store for people. Um, it can be helping people stay connected to, to uh, their spiritual community, taking them to church um, and temple services. Um, it can be um, cooking. It can be light housekeeping. Basically anything as someone's um, – um, physically when they start to not be uh, secure in doing those activities anymore, we can help them do it. We also have uh, people we work with who, because they're managing a variety of different conditions at the same time, they might have quite a medication regimen they need to follow. 
and sometimes uh, people can become a little bit forgetful and, it's, and they need someone to track that medication. Um, so we can help with that and make sure that people are taking the, the meds on the prescribed schedule the way that they're supposed to and basically just help them maintain their lives and stay connected and stay vibrant absolutely as long as possible. It's really interesting um, as I'm looking at your website and I see the medication reminders listed there. It's hard enough for those of us that maybe don't require any any in-home care at this stage of our life to just remember about our medication and things like that. So I can see where if somebody is maybe recovering from a stroke or they they have some other limitations, Parkinson's disease or whatever that might be. They've just returned from surgery. I mentioned to you guys off the air that one of the things that I'm always thinking about wherever I go is falling. And because Mm -hmm. I live alone, I think a lot about what would I do, how would my kids be affected if Mm -hmm. I fell and I broke my ankle? How am I supposed to take a shower? How am right. I supposed to feed my birds in the morning? You know, what am, right. how do I do all of that? My kids don't live with me. And, you know, just, you know, how do you do all of that? And those are some of the things, right, Joyce, that you guys also offer? Absolutely. Um, you know, help with bathing, you know, like you said, post-surgery or, you know, a situation with a broken hip, a broken ankle, even broken arm or wrist, um, things that we take for granted Um, you just can't do by yourself when you have an injury or you're recovering from a surgery or a long hospital stay or uh, any of these things. So help with, you know, in and out of the shower, help with, um, you know, uh, uh, daily activities, feeding your birds, watering your plants. Uh, Fall prevention is a very big deal, um, you know, in, in the elderly. So if you have someone that's, uh, perfectly fine, but their balance is a little bit off or, uh, you know, varying degrees of, of need. Maybe um, they're already using a walker or maybe they're recovering from a knee replacement or something. Fault prevention, you know, is, is very, 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 very big deal. Um, so that's a, a focus for us with our caregivers, um, and they're trained in that. And um, so th- definitely the fact that you're uh, aware of it, you know, uh, early, I'll say, <laughs> Uh, and anybody yes. can fall, this is the thing. But it, the people are more susceptible when they get a little older and their balance isn't quite what it used to be. Or they're dealing with medications that make them a little dizzy or diseases that, that tend to that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Marcia, you, you brought up yes. along the lines of prevention, you brought up a really good, highlighted a really important point that's sort of a middle ground um, situ- or condition here or, or set of circumstances, the better way to say it. Um, and it's if someone is, is maybe uh, in their senior years and they have surgery or they hurt themselves and they come home from the hospital, it could be a knee replacement or it could be something much more mundane than that. They, they, had a, 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 they broke a small bone in their foot or they had a problem, something where they came home. If they fall again, the damage is, much, is oftentimes much worse and it's harder on us as we age to heal up from those things. Mm-hmm. And so it gets very important, um, just since you highlighted this point about, mm-hmm. about um, uh, fall prevention, it gets very important under circumstances like that to help somebody to be there and ensure that they can recover. And, like, you know, I'm thinking of examples of people that we work with now, and the option to ensure that is that people take leaves as absences from their jobs or move here. Or do some? They have to find you know the care somehow. So we we can step into circumstances like that and help people get back on track and help them in their healing process. And, and Clark's reminding me of something. Uh, what he's talking about. It's interesting because I mentioned maybe they already use a walker or a cane. There's an interesting dynamic where uh, sometimes if um, if it comes from your spouse or your son or your daughter, <laughs> I don't need that cane. I don't need that walker. You know, and oh my goodness. And of course they do. But it's so interesting because sometimes coming from someone from the outside who's coming in and offering help, you know, you, you need your walker. Oh, okay. You know, it, it's just a very different dynamic sometimes where they actually will take that assistance sometimes better from someone who's not a family member. It's really interesting. I, I, you know, that's, I, that's, that is an interesting dynamic. I hadn't really thought about that, but it, that actually does make sense. 
Um, when you um, when you when you think about families and and them trying to do this on their own, it is it can be really overwhelming, can't it? I mean, it really it can be an overwhelming process. Um, it, it may not be end of life situations, just like you mentioned, but. Mm-hmm everyone's lives are so busy, I would think that just the opportunity to contact a company like yours and say, I need some help. And for you to be able to say, well, let's, let's do an intake. I, I presume that you do something like that. What is it that you need? How, how can we help you? That, that, that help may only be necessary for two or three months as opposed to two or three years. You know, I would imagine right. it's all dependent on on the circumstances of of that of that patient. Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. And and I think it's human nature for people to try to do it on their own. Um, and it and it can become very overwhelming. And and there's reasons for that. Sometimes uh, Clark mentioned earlier. Um, you know, it could be adult children that that don't live nearby. Uh, it, it can be. Um, I. I spoke to you, you know, personally about my resistance to, you know, accepting help. Uh, sometimes the person doesn't uh, want to ask for help because they have a sense of obligation to the people they love, you know. Um, or sometimes it, it's just we don't want to admit the circumstances are what they are, you know. The, I think the, the obligation is, is an important thing, and it's something that I think deserves highlighting because it is a complementary commitment on the family member. Um, we, we have, Marcia, we've gone into homes where we talk to people and they call us because they, they, they've run out of resources personally and they just can't do it anymore. At and, their wit's end, at honestly. The, and, and by the time they'll, they're willing to say, okay, I guess I'm going to have to get some help. And these people, we walk in and sometimes our initial reaction is we're more immediately concerned with the health of the caregiver than the person that they're calling to get the assistance for because the caregiver has worn themselves down so far. And they do this out of love. Um, And we know that. We know when we see this, we're looking uh, at someone who feels a sense of devotion and commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, We always took care of each other. Um, How how can I not do that now? Um, And so it's, it's a reflection. It's not a criticism when you hear us talk about that. It is a, an acknowledgement of of a, be, a beautiful commitment within families. We just what we do when we see that is we try to help them uh, do what they're already doing, not displace them. I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about that person, whomever that person is, and now they're recovering from a stay in the hospital, and now they're coming home. Do you ever find that that we'll call this person a patient for lack of a better term right now. Do you ever find that there's a lot of resistance on their part where it's like, Hey, I don't want anybody in my house. You know, I'm kind of cranky and, and, you know, I want to put my TV on as loud as I can hear it. And, you know, I mean, what is that? What, what is it like for when you, when you might find that there's some resistance? We we never meet cranky people. Oh wow, aren't you lucky, Clark? Aspect of life. Oh, that's great. Oh, that well, that's uh, great. If you don't ever meet cranky people, aren't you lucky? But let's let's take cranky out of the the um the equation. What about what about the resistant person? Do you how do you how do you um, negotiate that with that person? Yeah, um, you know it, it can be a little complicated uh, actually, Marcia, depending on on the family dynamics involved. Um, first of all, you're you're looking at the client, and it might might be hard for them to accept that they need the help. Um, sometimes there's like a stigma attached, you know, with needing a caregiver. Um, I think it's interesting because I think for some people they perceive it as a loss of freedom, which actually it's the opposite. A, a good caregiver can extend their independence and, and provide the help they need. You know, we talked about fall prevention and help them continue with their routines and everything. So, um, and, and sometimes with the family, uh, they're awkward about hiring a stranger. Um, so, or they might be worried about 
things they've heard about caregivers coming into the home, or worse, maybe they've had some bad experiences uh, with quality of care and everything. Um, so, you know, the way to approach it, I think, is is getting past the, you know, accepting uh, needing care, it, it kind of teaching them that that doesn't mean giving up. It's actually about embracing your life and 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 keeping as independent as you can. Um, you know, the circumstances have changed, and we need to adapt. That's kind of it. If you talk directly mm-hmm. to the needs the help. Um, I think sometimes talking to them about a personal assistant as opposed to a caregiver, sometimes the actual words we use can help. Um, we found that there's some people who don't want their caregivers to wear scrubs because when they go out to lunch or out shopping or out to meet friends or, or to church, they don't want, you know, a medical personnel with them. They don't want a nurse. Um, so I, I think the engagement – um, and actually talking to people is a, um, that sounds silly coming out of my mouth. It sounds awkward, but it's, it's the difference between doing this to your loved one or doing it with your loved one. And if uh, there's can be a huge difference if, if we just, if people, we, sometimes we facilitate this and sometimes families do it is they sit down with that person and say, look, here's, here are the circumstances we're in. I, I think sometimes there's a, a, a desire from, from a good place to protect the, the senior from these worries and to know that the kids are worried about it. My experience is a lot of these folks are a lot stronger than people think they are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're more aware of things. Um, uh, many of our clients, they're, people are very aware broadly of what's going on and the stress that's going on in the family. So sit down with them and work out a plan and talk about, here's what we, here's what we see, here's what we would like to do, here's how we think we would help. Mm-hmm. And then and go from there. I mean, does that make sense to you, Marcia, or is that? It it really does make sense. And I'm I mean I'm I mean maybe a lot of people as they're listening to you, Clark and and Joyce, maybe they're conjuring up in their own thoughts, maybe their own personal experience or or, or an experience that they've that they've witnessed. And I I love what you said, and I think that there's probably like what you said, there's that sort of that stigma of somebody being in scrubs. I have a really close friend that's father is, I think he just turned 93, lives one block from me. He's in home, and he has somebody that comes into the house. He, that person um, uh, does, take, does take him to church, but she's dressed in street clothes, and she's just mindful of his safety, and he's 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 as independent as he can possibly be doing the things mm-hmm. that he wants to do. And those things that he can't, that he can't do is where she steps in and she's very mindful. She doesn't, she wants to give him as much. I don't, I don't know if dignity is the right word, respect, yeah. um, just sure. appreciating. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I, I just want to add something you were, you know, asking about, you know, kind of a pragmatic approach to how how do you kind of overcome the resistance. And we talked about this a tiny bit uh, earlier, but it it really does help, we've found, if you frame the conversation around specific tasks. Like you you had, you thought for yourself, how would I feed my birds? You know, this sort of thing. Um, so mm-hmm. if we look at specific tasks when we're meeting with the family and the person who's going to need the care, um, it just becomes sort of more practical, and it just sort of makes sense from a pragmatic, uh, you know, uh, approach. And it also helps when we do send the caregiver in um, for them to have that, that list that's very clear of what's expected of them when they're there so that they walk in and there's sort of an easy transition. They know they're supposed to go right in that kitchen and start fixing breakfast, you know, and it, it kind of just helps with the flow if, if we really look at it at specific tasks that we're going to be helping with. That makes also, that makes total sense. Go ahead. It, it, um, sorry, if if someone is sensitive to, I don't need a nurse following me around, um, or some something like that. Um, you know, if they're sensitive to any any sense of stigma about needing a caregiver and their own vitality, that when you're talking about specific tasks that they need to do around the household or with them, that takes the conversation off of them, mm-hmm. and uh, it's pretty easy. 
uh, it's pretty easy in a lot of cases to help people understand, hey, th this isn't about restricting you or acknowledging or, or, or reflecting a weakness in you. It's that we're trying to preserve, um, we're trying to make sure you're safe and happy and can continue going on about your business. Right, right. Um, and that's a, maybe we should put that on the banner. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's really funny, Clark. It's funny what comes up in a conversation. But I'll tell you, one of the takeaways that I've, I've gathered from you, because you've both indicated that almost from the very beginning, is that you're really intending to make your client feel as independent as possible. And that alone must make that person feel really great. Now, if, if you're a person that's like, I just... I just want somebody to take care of me. I don't want to be independent. I, I, I can't wash my own hair. Um, I, I don't know. I, just, just, just take me. Just take care of me, especially if, if perhaps you are a widow or widower and your family isn't nearby and you're just maybe also dealing with loneliness as you're aging. You know, yeah. all of these areas or you've, you, your, your kids have talked you into a cell phone, but you've got a flip phone and you don't know how to use it and you don't, where's your uh, telephone? Where's your, you know, how do I, I, I thought I was watching this program and I wanted to record it, but I don't know how to use my remote control. I mean, I can just uh, imagine lots of different things where uh, care providers can do a lot of those things to just help that, that person in their home as, as and in home is what you, what they're striving for. So I, I can really, I can imagine that, but, this is much different than hospice care. What did you want to add, Joyce? Well, to say you've, you've hit on something important there, and that's the companion side of, of having a caregiver come in. Um, but I also want to mention, too, that, you know, the care that our agency offers, it could also extend to um, people who, who require much, much more care, who are maybe homebound, you know. Um, so it's, mm -hmm. it's the whole from a little assistance to, um, you know, maybe someone that really requires total care, you know. Yeah, one of the things that you're, you're hitting on, Marcia, is that I'm smiling as you were enumerating all of that. I was thinking to myself, we'll be happy to do that. Um, <laughs> it, and that, it goes back to we'll, we'll match the engagement with the desires and needs of the person that needs the assistant. And I think this is something for anybody listening, no matter who you use, if you're looking for assistance, if you know where you are in the country, um, the, any agency that you speak to, uh, one of the pillars of what they do, one of the core offerings of what they give you should be to try to match the caregiver personality-wise with mm. the person that they're going to Definitely. be a companion to uh, and, and, and providing care to. Um, we have circumstances we know that get very obvious very quickly that one caregiver might be a great fit in one set of circumstances because of the because of the activities they'll be engaged in and because of the personality of the mm -hmm. person that they're going to be taking care of. And they would, why they'd be great there, they'd be a train wreck maybe in a different household. So, you know, somebody who's um, uh, very good at supporting someone who's very independent, kind of hands off, and that maybe that, maybe that client or that patient wants the caregiver to kind of stay in the background um, that might not be the best engagement for a mother hen that wants to talk, wants to engage socially with them and provide a lot of companion care. So, you know, that's an, a very important part of what we do, and our services run the gamut of it. That's up to us to that, to it. Uh, to be that matchmaker, that that makes a lot of sense. But just so that people are not confused, this is not hospice care. Is that right? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I know we talked earlier about uh, some industries have an enormous amount of jargon. Um, I think everybody is running in second place and below to the medical business. Um, <laughs> and hospice is a, is a different animal. Uh, hospice is really, uh, and for anybody who's listening here that uh, is an expert in that uh, care, please forgive me in advance if I misstate this, but it's, it is functionally operates like an aggregator of care for someone who's at an end stage with a condition. Mm -hmm. and it's end of life care. Um, and uh, when that's uh, where a doctor and the patient reach a joint conclusion that they're going to switch to 
pain management or they they know that they're at the end stage uh, of of what they're managing or what they're what they're dealing with and they'll go under hospice care and the hospice organization then aggregates care for that person and and that might include things like uh, um, it might include a licensed medical provider who would visit that patient uh, even in the home and uh, manage meds or do other things that require a licensed medical provider. Um, they might they might provide things like spiritual guidance and counseling where appropriate and desired if wanted. Um, and they also, even if a medical provider comes, they leave. They kind of do what they're doing and then they get up and go. And they need somebody there to then provide ongoing care for that person uh, keep them clean, keep them fed, keep the sheets changed, and do do basic care for them. And that's where we come into play. So, uh, being non medical care, we can provide part. We can be part of the care team uh, under a hospice engagement, but we are not ourselves hospice. Good, good definition. I appreciate that. But you are in an industry. And, you know, people are very mindful now of lots of things like this when they're hiring help. So how is, how is your industry regulated um, to protect people? Um, I'm, uh, <laughs> that's a, another important one that I'm absolutely <laughs> glad that you've got. Um, it, it has changed a lot. Part of my, my chuckle there in the beginning was the amount of change <laughs> that the business has gone through in a very short period of time. Um, certainly we're in California and I can speak in quite a bit of detail to California, but for people who are listening from other areas of the country, the structure that I'm going to kind of talk about here, uh, similar things are being done in other states around the country. We know this from industry associate, not just things we read, but it's industry associations that we're part of. And, um, other agencies that we speak to and interact with that are located all, all around the U.S. More and more states are going to a structured environment where they are licensing, or if that's not the right word, they're regulating in some way who is providing home care. Um, there was a circumstance in the past where it was a, a pretty loosely run um, segment. Maybe that's an understatement. It might be kind of, you know, you, you just start the business and if you want to refer people or if you want to send someone out to provide home care, go ahead and do it. And there wasn't, uh, there, there wasn't oversight or not much oversight um, going on. And as a result, as you might guess, we're, you know, you're, we're dealing with a very vulnerable segment of the population, one that I feel very protective about, but not everybody feels protective about them, and some people, you know, people w would occasionally take advantage of that, um, and there's some real negative things that happen. So, um, in California, it's actually in order to provide uh, uh, to be a company like ours, an agency like ours, and provide non-medical home care, you have to go through a licensing process today, um, and this is very different from the past. Even four years ago, this is we have a completely different landscape today, um, and that provides a lot of benefits to um, to the folks who uh, who need the care. Um, uh, we have um, the licensing process for us is very detailed. Um, it requires a lot of work on the agency's part to do it. There's a pretty stiff fee that goes with it. It means the owners are background checked thoroughly, federal and state level. Um, it means that we've gone through a, a very tight screening process in order to get to where we can run the business, open the doors. It also regulates who we hire, um, the training that we provide them. It requires that they be background checked uh, uh, at the federal and state level. So a lot of this stuff helped filter out um, the bad actors, some of the bad actors that had gotten into this. And I don't want to overstate this because it, it wasn't – Wide, you know, it's not endemic to the to the, right. to the uh, but but it's something that you know when it happens, it's it's it really ugh. it's you know I'm, I'm so protective. <laughs> I'm kind of a papa bear, and um, I'm so protective about it. And when this has happened to a family, it's 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 really unfortunate, and you you don't want to let people like that get near your family members. Yeah, of course. Um, and so, and then the other side of that, so we have a lot of a lot of help to the people who need the help, we're, we're pro the industry is providing better assistance to those who need the help. 
the other piece to it was the other side of the nickel was that there was a lot of circumstances where caregivers were not being paid a fair amount and um, they were working in not the best conditions. So at the same time, California sort of uh, hand in hand put through what we called out here a domestic worker bill of rights. And that really went into a lot of detail about defining the role of the caregiver very specifically. So they're not, um, they're not a housekeeper. You can't call them a housekeeper. It's, 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 it's very tight. Um, it establishes rules for overtime pay, um, completely changed the way live-ins are paid uh, as an example. Um, and um, so that it, it, it's done a lot to try and help uh, ensure the quality of care that somebody receives. It also tries to protect the caregiver. And I think, I, I think that plays into point one. I think that helps ensure that they get better care in the Absolutely. first place. So Absolutely. Um, I, this is a, this is a big deal, and I think anybody should. If you're if you if you're thinking that you are on the doorstep of needing help, or you're starting to think about it, I would look around in your own area, and look for, um, uh, you know, our, in 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 my state, is there any regulatory structure around people providing uh, the kind of care that I need, and particularly I, you know, in California, we call it a, it's a home care organization number, license number, HCO number is how they're abbreviated, HCO number. Um, if you don't see it on somebody's website, it should be probably on the banner. Um, you ask them for it. Don't be shy about stuff like this. Um, it is not invasive. It's very fair. And uh, I cannot imagine why anyone would hesitate to give you that, particularly given the work that it requires to go through that they process. They should be proud of that. So, um, yeah. It's a great, it's, it's a good thing. Well, I, I think that what, you know, I, I like to have tips and tools for people as they listen. And I would say if, if you're out there and you're not living nearby where we are and this where your business is supporting people in the, the South Bay area and here in Westchester and areas around here, um, that HCO number sounds like it's a given you don't want to do business with somebody that isn't licensed. You want your loved one, you know, and let's face it, you may, you may, we're talking about this person that's helping their loved one. Let's just go straight to, let's take that person out of it completely and say, I'm the loved one. I need this yeah. help. You might not right. think I need the help because you can't afford it, but, I can afford it, so trust me, I, I want to have some say-so in this. I'm going to take sure. some proactive assistance for myself because I did break my ankle or I, you know, I, I broke my wrist or whatever, but that doesn't mean I don't want to still go to the pool at the Y. Look at how many people, Joyce, we used to see drag their, oh, yeah. their oxygen tanks because yeah. they wanted to go to Bernie's class, you know? Yes. Or they wanted you to do chair aerobics. Remember? I know. It's fantastic. You know? Wonderful. It's, it, it, it is. And, and, and my experience at the Y really gave me a, a bird's eye view, particularly to the senior population. My parents died young. And so I was, like, looking for a mom, you know, mm -hmm. and, or dad. And, and I was always so impressed with how people – that did need help. Maybe they, maybe they came in in a wheelchair. Yes, we can, we can help you. Yes, yeah. our our guidelines allow you to, you know, get into the girls' locker room. Maybe you are going to come in in your bathing suit because it's just easier for you. But we're going to help you. And yes, we will have your care provider get you into that pool so you can move around with your buddies. I, I think the socialization of this caregiving that you guys give is. Is what like you just said that companion side that cannot be overstated. Maybe you just want somebody to sit and watch that game with you. You know, right? I, 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 yeah. I, um, let me let I'll me look you. at another. Yes, go ahead, Clark. I'll 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 grab the mic here for a second. You can look at your notes if you like. Um, I think, you know, one of the things for me, I'm sitting here talking to you with a big grin on my face because I'm thinking of uh, instances, you mentioned someone coming in in their wheelchair and wanting to participate. 
uh, in chair aerobics, or you mentioned someone, uh, you know, coming in who's obviously struggling just to get there, but gosh darn it, they're going to show up and they're going to, and they're going to participate to the, to the limit of what they can. And they're still pushing at their own level. And I, I would tell you, this sounds probably sappy, but some of these people are some of the most inspiring people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they may be very well aware of their own circumstances and their own limits, but they're still vibrant. And to the degree that we can help somebody continue to participate there, there's a huge reward for us right there in that. I bet. I bet there is. So let's talk a little bit about um, when you, when you're about to hire somebody on your own, Joyce, is there, is there, is there two or three things that you should always, sort of keep in mind if you're about, is there a tip or something that you could share with us? Yes, absolutely. Here's the thing, uh, Marcia, it, it's certainly okay to hire on your own and it could be from a, you know, a neighbor or a friend's recommendation, or it could be from a referral service, but, but things you really must keep in mind is um, that that means you're going to be paying the employment taxes. You need to be aware of labor laws, what you should be paying them. Um, you have to think about the, um, insurances, workers' compensation in case there's an accident on the job, liability insurance. You need to be aware of the overtime laws. And now this person is your employee and you're the employer if you bring them on on your own. So you are responsible, as I said, for um, employment taxes. So you can do it, of course, um, but I think at this time of life when you need to bring in some help for yourself or for a loved one, I think you don't need that extra burden of managing all that. If the person's sick, who can I get to replace them? You know, with an agency, they handle that. So, and, and all the other things I mentioned, the insurances and, and the employment taxes and things like that. So, of course, it can be done. There are options. Um, but just, I would say, just be aware. Just be aware. Oh, you know, and I think important. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chuck. Very, and I keep calling you Chuck because I don't know why. Go ahead, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, but Marcia, I keep answering to it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I wait, wait, I, I wish I could tell I could edit that out, Clark, but it ain't going to happen. Go ahead. Uh, oh, my goodness. It, it's all good. It's keeping it real here. Um, yeah, it you is. Know, and the, the, the things that Joyce is talking about are, are extremely an extremely big deal. Um, the, you know, when she says you, you're now the employer, uh, if anybody's listening to this and it's I'm not an attorney. I'm not trying to impersonate one. I have to be very careful that you have to have that disclaimer here. But you, particularly um, if you bring somebody into your house to perform this role, it is by all intents almost always going to be interpreted as an employer-employee relationship, and that has the way the state looks at it and the feds look at it. Um, so you're – this, you know, it isn't, it, particularly out here, you don't have the ability to say, well, I hired somebody, but I'm not their employer. Um, as the role of the caregiver gets more and more defined, you are an employer by de facto by the fact that you hired them and had them come into your house. And that's why she's saying things like employment taxes and overtime law and all this kind of stuff, because the state's going to assume you're following all of it. And, of course, maybe it doesn't come up, but that maybe has quite a bit of exposure attached to it. Um, and I think the other thing, if somebody does choose, they say, well, you know what, I, I'd rather do this myself. I don't, you know, whatever. You make your own, make your own decisions. Um, that these kind of more structured exposures run in addition to, um, you know, you need, to, you need to double check some practical stuff that we've talked about already is, is the caregiver trained? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of training do they have? have they, is there a, has a background check been done on them? Um, no matter how well somebody thinks they know them or refers them, um, if I was going to leave them alone with my loved one, I, I, in today I'd want to double check. Um, you know, and so it's are they? What's the schedule? Do you have backup plans? All this kind of stuff. So there's there's a lot to think about, and that's part of the benefit of using somebody like us wherever you're located. Uh, I, I, if it was me, it's a no-brainer because like what you just said. You know, somebody might say, oh, I, 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 my sister, my brother, my, my cousin, my aunt, do you re- the, one of the reasons you need help is because you can't do it all. So to, to, to consider that you, like you just pointed out so beautifully, Joyce, 
that you are the employer and you better know about taxes and insurance and overtime, just like you mentioned. You know, why would you want to, to risk that? Maybe you're a homeowner and, hey, you, you, you don't want to take those kinds of liabilities. You, you want to right. hire somebody that does this professionally and, and really knows what they're doing. And I think right. that that's, that's really important. And I know, Clark, you had mentioned earlier about we talked about the um, industry of regulation. It goes the same for, for insurance. I think if people need to understand just, just really briefly as we're finishing up what, what, how insurance plays a part in this, if it, if it does at all. Um, <laughs> you know, the answer to that is a really loud and clear maybe. That's the definite answer. Uh, uh, so uh, it's not something I guess I shouldn't be joking about it. The long-term care coverage uh, uh, has not matured at the level uh, to the degree that things like home insurance has and auto insurance, just to pick two examples. Uh, those are things that are well settled, kind of what you get covered by, how they work, uh, claims processes, fuller are just in life experience, they tend to be pretty familiar with how those processes work. The, the long-term care coverage that exists today is often relatively new in the marketplace. It's, a, it's not been around for a real long time widely. And there's a lot of variations between companies and potentially even between policies within an umbrella, within a company. So the short answer on this is, if you believe that you have uh, coverage for long-term care, uh, we encourage you very strongly to reach out to your insurance company or your, a your insurance agent um, and just to make sure that you understand how it works, what it covers, what the claims process is, uh, and get a contact name. Um, we encourage you to do this before you need to begin filing claims. Um, if we, the some of the ones that we've spoken to actually have printed instructions that they are waiting on the other end of the phone to just hit the button and it spits it out to you the minute you ask the question, which we actually like because it makes it easy to help people follow them. Um, it, the intent is that the insurance company is trying to help people know how to file for reimbursements. Um, one of the things that people might want to be aware of on this is it's our experience. Uh, it is our experience. Um, that many of these are reimbursement processes to the families. So many times what happens is that you'll pay the provider, the agency, and then the agency, then you aggregate some information, send it to the insurance company, and the insurance company reimburses the family directly, and the money co never comes from the insurance company to the agency. Um, and one, one of the things that a, an agency can do, one of the things we're willing to do for our clients where we can, is we help them aggregate all that paperwork and send it off to the agency. So you can, you know, you can, you kind of have to find your way here depending on what your circumstances are, unfortunately. Well, I think that I, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to have you explain that slightly because somebody might be wondering about that. And I, I do think that what you're providing in this community is sensational. And I do hope that the people that have been listening that might need your services can get in touch with you. Your phone number is clearly on your website, which is just to remind people it's newdayinhomecare.com. Your information is, is clearly located there. And I knew this hour would fly by because this is a very, very important subject. And um, for many people, they can truly relate to everything that you've talked about. And I'm just grateful that one day we ran into each other at our local LAX Coastal Chamber office right here in Westchester. That's how it started. That's how mm -hmm. Clark became Chuck or Chuck became Clark. God knows. I don't know where I planted that. But, Clark, I really do remember I thought of your name when you said your name was Clark, and I immediately thought Kent. So I don't know where Chuck comes from. But I do mm -hmm. want to thank you both so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to share what it is that you truly, it's truly and obvious that you have a passion for what you're doing. And anybody that wants to get this kind of help, they want somebody like you guys up at the top. 
you know, it, 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 it's obvious. It's obvious to me, and I'm sure people that are listening, that through your own personal experiences, you know what people are looking for because you know what you were looking for and what was important to you. So I just want to thank you for being my fifth show in the month of April, five, five <laughs> Mondays in April in case anybody was counting, and all so different and so interesting with, with wonderful stories, and I just – I just really appreciate the both of you joining me today. Marcia, thank you so much. Thank you for helping us get this message out. We are passionate about it, and it's just been really fun reconnecting with you. Absolutely. We'll have to meet at Little Vons, all right? And, and Clark, <laughs> you know, um, I'll, see you at, I'll see you at a chamber meeting perhaps, but um, it was a delight getting to know you as well. I, I do really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. And every... it's been... Go ahead. That's it. Thank you very much. Okay. It, has, it has been a pleasure. <laughs> My pleasure, too. So thanks, everybody, for, for staying with us. We ran a little bit over, but it was certainly um, important to do so. And I'll look forward to joining, having you join me again next week. Have a wonderful week. If you're a sports fan, I hope your team's winning. We won't talk about my fabulous Clippers because while they didn't go on, man, they gave it a great fight. So if you're a sports fan like me, perhaps you feel the same way. But until next week, everybody, have a great week. Bye for now.